community is immune to the dangers of substance use and addiction. Within the Menominee tribe, we've all seen the impacts firsthand. That's why we need to talk about it as we join together to bring this problem out in the open. In this podcast, we'll focus on education, highlight resources that are available, talk about initiatives underway to deal with this public health threat, and smash stereotypes that we all have about addiction. The Talk About It podcast is an initiative of the Menominee Indian Drug Addiction and Intervention Team with your hosts, Sheena and Gary. On this episode of the Talk About It podcast, we have Lori Korn from Menominee Tribal School and Wendell Lockoff from Menominee Indian School District. So welcome. Thank you. Um, okay, so if you could just let us know a little bit more about, you know, your roles in the schools. Yeah, um, I'm a school superintendent. Uh, I believe I'm starting my 22nd year in that role, um, but about 34 years in the in the school district, and uh, I, it, it's certainly an honor to be working in your, in your community. My name is Lori Korn, and I'm the principal at Menominee Tribal School. I've been there for about seven years now, and prior to that, I've been in education for 20 years with the uh, school district. Um, I live in Kashina, and um, I'm an enrolled tribal member. Thank you both for being here. So the Menominee Tribe of Wisconsin has a state of emergency declaration in effect right now regarding fentanyl, opioids, and other illegal drug use. Um, Obviously, that's something that impacts everybody, including the schools, and if you could each tell us um, how you are seeing that impact your schools. I like to use the term that schools are reflections of communities. Mm-hmm. And, and what that means is whatever's being played out in your community, it finds its way, it mirrors in the schools. And the situation we're talking about now, the, the opioid epidemic, has impacted our schools. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we do have these same issues that the community are dealing with. It's in our schools. And um, we're concerned, but we shouldn't be surprised. Sure. Okay. So, um, you know, I guess just acknowledging that, um, hey, right. it's a problem in the community. More than likely, it's a problem in the schools. Yeah. How prevalent would you say that drug use is among the student population? Well, we've been tracking our data, our safety data. And I think it was last year when we reported, we had a horrible September and October. Our Mm. substance use referrals were off the charts. And I think within those first two months, we had close to 60 referrals. Wow. And then, of course, we track them all through the whole year. And, of course, Mm -hmm. things have gone down. But... Yeah, and, and again, you know, kids are coming back from the summer. Right. You know, we're still coming off dealing with the effects of COVID, and, and we're really trying to figure out what's beneath these referrals. Okay. Mm-hmm. What about you, Lori? Well, again, we've been working on within this uh, drug and addiction intervention team mm-hmm. that we both serve on. We're sharing our data in our data, even though we have <clears throat> a different school age population, almost mirrors wow. what 
uh, Wendell has uh, been talking about in the high school. I mean, it's, it's, um, we see, you know, kids starting to use in a upper middle school areas, sure. but within this whole um, epidemic, this illness, you're talking not just using. If a family member or a family is struggling with that, your entire family is struggling yeah. with it. And for us, we see um, within the younger children, that's the driving force of a lot of anger issues that we're mm-hmm. seeing. Yeah. Um, so when we get to the bottom of referrals and what kids are acting out at school, mm-hmm. a lot of times it's because of struggles at home with this. Sure. Yeah. And I, w- I would agree with what Lori's saying. So what are the the steps that you both have taken um, in the schools to keep students safe and to keep drugs out of school? Well, we're, we're fortunate that we have um, a school resource officer in both the high school and in the middle school. One of the biggest steps that we had to take was securing the safety the moment the kids walked onto campus. And, you know, so you're talking about some, what kind of search is that going to look like? So it started where backpacks were searched, and it meant that kids had to stand in line, and adults searched the backpacks looking for contraband, looking for potential drugs, and that was the first step that we, we took. Now, I never thought the day would come but it has, where now the kids walk through a scanner, and that scanner can detect any contraband. And so, as what we have shared with the kids, though, it's about safety. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's about safety. And if we, you know, as we would, as as kids would be found with this, we were we were able to pull them into a room. Mm-hmm. and talk with them, meet sure. with them, versus maybe in years past, they might have they went the day, mm-hmm. and who knows what's going to happen. So right. I, that, that was a big part of our efforts, and then while we were doing it, we were really trying to help the kids understand it's about safety. Um, good points, Wendell. I, um, I agree with that. In a tribal school, we... Again, we're a K-8 school, so it's a little, we have a different age levels there. So we're trying to do a lot of um, awareness. We try to get a lot of um, education, literature on the programs that are out there for um, any families struggling with this. Um, We do, you know, do the um, searches and things like that, mm-hmm. um, and uh, but we're we've also been trying to focus on more of the preventative things. Um, for example, like once last year, Nick Utec came in and did an all school um, like an education forum for the kids because in one of our assemblies, we asked the kids, you know, how many of you are exposed to no have knowledge of this the mm-hmm. opioid epidemic and pretty much all of our kids raised their hands so 
I think we're trying to really provide that safe place and that hope for kids to be able to, they're seeing this stuff out there. We know that to have a place to talk about it and it's okay. You don't have to be ashamed, you know, um, help is here. So that's kind of what tribal school is doing right now. I'm glad Lori mentioned the education piece and, and the awareness and, you know, when, you know, we had Nick come in too. And I think what we're trying to do and get away from is we're trying to get away from that just say no message. Yeah. That doesn't work with kids. Yeah. And and I think what was effective with Nick Utech is that, you know, Nick being a emergency responder, mm-hmm. um, you know, he can talk about the reality of what is out there. Sure. And, and his message comes across in a very caring, educating way. Mm-hmm. But again, we're, we're trying to educate the kids about what this stuff does to your brain. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's we, not about saying no. Gary and I grew up in the just say no era, so. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't work. Did yeah, it? no. <laughs> uh, so at what point do you bring parents into the situation? When we have referrals, obviously there has to be a parent contact. Um, we need a parent to come to the school to take the kid home. We need the parent to, um, you know, have a meeting with the school officials. Sometimes because a kid is, is, it might be a second offense, we need to work with Manasakia. Um, we also have some ability to work with the county, but again, then you have to get an assessment and you need the parent for that. And you need, you know, you need the parent because you gotta, you gotta get permission, okay? And I think Lori made a point before about the struggle because what we are seeing is it may not be just the struggle with the kid, but there might be the struggle of substance use within the home. Sure. And that makes it even more challenging. But, you know, we reach out to parents. Sometimes we don't, we don't get the, the participation that we need, mm-hmm. you know, and that's why sometimes we have to work with, maybe you have to work with family services or, you know, but... But again, involving the parents is is critical or the or the guardian. So I think from what I've seen, and this is for all of the schools on the reservation, I think we try to involve parents right away, right off the bat. I mean, even when school starts, we're sending those messages, you know, addiction hurts or where to turn to. We're trying to provide those resources. So we and we've even been doing that all summer. There's prevention things on the MITW communications that I've I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, we're asking different departments to post those things on their department websites mm-hmm. because the biggest thing families are saying is they don't know what is out there, the resources. So I think the schools play a really big part in that, and we're getting those that information out there. Um, so right away, we try to um, involve the families. The resistance can be there if, you know, it is gets more intense, if somebody has that in the schools. Um, but I think 
where we're going now, it's important to understand the nature of addiction in every situation is different. That's what's very difficult. So what we try to do is really help and empower that family to point them to the services in the community and stick by them to try to see if we can get them through this process. Mm -hmm. Um, This process isn't an easy process. It takes time and there's there's different... um, characteristics or things in addiction that are so frustrating to deal with mm-hmm. that it's hard to understand, you know, in just for example, I have family members that have struggled with with this. Mm-hmm. So I, I know firsthand it's, you know, lying comes with that, yeah. stealing comes with that, yeah. a lot of frustrating, hurtful things. So it it's um I think we just need to really, as a community, understand this, this, the magnitude of what these problems are. We can't get anywhere without not involving the families right away. And what are some things that parents can do to help? You need to listen to your child. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes mm-hmm. I know as parents, you know, we're in that position where we're there to protect. But I really think it starts with listening. And maybe it's, it's just listening, not to respond, mm-hmm. but to really know where our children are coming from. And, you know, Lori alluded to it. You know, we, our kids are hurting. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they're, they're not using because they want to have fun. They're using because they're hurting. And I think if we could spend more time as, as parents listening and looking for those signs of what's beneath this addiction, what what's really causing the pain. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. And the hardest thing as parents is to have those hard conversations. Sit down and have those hard conversations. And sometimes those are really hurtful conversations, but that's a, probably the first step. And then... I think reach out. Um, don't be ashamed. There's a lot of families that are hurting from this. In um, find somebody to talk to and reach out to. And um, I know this process seems like it takes forever, but keep keep talking and just keep. Ha- relying on that help that's out there because there's a lot of help within the tribe. So it really sounds like just communication both with your children and with the school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and communication means listening. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in the past, punishment usually meant um, suspension, but how has that approach changed? I'll tie it from the big picture and we're not going to arrest our way out of this yeah. opioid epidemic. Mm-hmm. We don't have enough room in our jail cells. <laughs> yeah. And, and what we've seen, in, at least in our schools, is that, you know, suspending kids, and, and whether it's for drugs or, or, or something else, it typically doesn't work, okay? And what we're, what we're finding is if we change the word suspension and we think of the word accountability, 
because there has to be accountability. Mm -hmm. It just looks different. Mm -hmm. and, and if we say to a student, okay, look, um, this is your second time you've been caught using, your accountability piece is going to require you to get an assessment. You're going to meet with an adolescent uh, substance abuse counselor. You're going to do that assessment. You're going to find out what are those recommendations. Do they want you to come in and see them on an outpatient? Do they want to come to the schools? Is that assessment going to say, you know what, you need inpatient? Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's the approach we're taking. It takes longer, mm -hmm. you know. But if you're really trying to get to the root cause of what's beneath all this, that's what you got to do. I mean, I can tell you what a lot of schools in the state do is kick them out. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, guess what? Those kids are still in their community. Yeah. Those kids eventually become adults. Mm -hmm. Those adults eventually become parents. So why wouldn't you want to invest your time in trying to heal what's beneath that addiction. So for us, um, we kind of talked about this already, like with the suspensions. Um, I think the approach has to be that we learn more about the nature of this. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's every scenario is different. So it, it's hard to um, just say he needs a suspension or because there's just so many layers underneath that. Mm -hmm. I know that suspension is not the answer. It's bringing the kids in. I mean, sorry, bringing the family in, in with the kids and trying to heal from there. Mm -hmm. um, I agree with what Wendell says on that hand but what gets difficult is again there are um families who don't have don't struggle with mm -hmm. this so you, it's hard to keep that balance of in and, and i understand that you know they don't want um drugs around their kids because every parent is scared mm -hmm. so it's a fine balance mm -hmm. but i think for people to um, use a little empathy and trust, which are which is hard, but um, really try to support that family. That's all. That's all I can say. I think Lori's point about having empathy is is important, and you know, I I've said more than once that I don't think there's a family in our community, and I'm speaking of my own, that hasn't been affected by substance abuse in some shape or form mm -hmm. throughout their history. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, we've all been affected, and I think when Lori talks about that, that balancing act, it is a tough one, especially for schools. Mm -hmm. When you want to keep your, your school safe, parents want their kids safe, parents don't want drugs around their kids, and so that it is that, that, that balancing act. So I, I definitely agree that we have to have empathy, but we also have to have compassion. Mm -hmm. you know, we, yeah. we have to be there willing when our, when our kids and families are struggling. We need to be there in the moment with them and just hearing them saying, I hear you. So your schools have uh, representation on the drug addiction and invention team. Why is that important and how is it helping our schools? Um, I think, first of all, 
when you're trying to address an opioid epidemic. You're trying to drill down as far as you can. And and it's, and it's not that, I don't want to say you can't fix the adults, but if you can put time, energy, and resources into the kids before they come adults. And I'm not saying you don't try to help the adults. Right. But these kids, and some of them, because they're, they're lacking some of that, that uh, support in the homes, um, I think it is important that you start in the schools. And Lori mentioned it earlier on in, the, uh, in, the, in, in our conversation here. It also starts with prevention. Mm-hmm. You know, we've, we've got to educate our kids. Right. And if that means we have to educate them as early in elementary school, then that's what we need to do. Um, yeah, those are good words. I, I think also from the um, being a member of that um, DAT team, there's support there. You know you're not alone in, in trying to address the situation, and you learn about all of the resources that are available out there. So yeah. you're that direct connect to get those resources to the families because we are going to see that where mm-hmm. there's a family in need. I think if I could add, having been on this committee now for a little over a year, I think what we've all learned is nobody operates in a vacuum. Yeah. And, and that every one of the agencies that are a part of this, whether it's the police department, housing, the clinic, the county, uh, Manasakia, the schools, that we all need each other because we're all impacted by it. And I think what I've seen is, you know, we, we've gotten better at collecting data. Um, you know, we've got recovery coaches being launched. I mean, sometimes we don't, we don't take the time and say, well, geez, what are the things that we are doing? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Both of us, I've, I've witnessed that we are, we can ask for help for what we see out mm-hmm. there right away. And we have both advocated for the kids and the families in our school to get them. They're struggling with this. We need this department's help. So we do a lot of that in those meetings as well. Is there anything else you guys would like to add? The last thing I think it's really important to remember is this is overwhelming. It's, it's just an overwhelming, um, you know, issue. But we are not the only community that struggles from this issue. Maybe we are the ones that are, that, you know, it's publicized out there that our numbers are so high or, you know, we have this problem, we have that problem. But there are many, many communities in this nation that have this same problem. And I will say, this team in the tribe, this community is doing a lot to help to help us get over this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, when Lori says, basically, we're not alone. This mm-hmm. is happening eight yeah. miles down the road mm-hmm. within our state, across the country. Um, you know, maybe it's more prevalent here because of our past struggles. Mm-hmm. But, I, but I would also say that 
if we learn something about COVID or the pandemic, it's what the impact it had on youth when they were put in isolation. Yeah. And, yeah. and, I, and I still mm -hmm. think what we're seeing here is still has effects from the pandemic when kids were, you know, hey, you got a curfew. Hey, you got to stay home. Yeah. Hey, mm -hmm. you're in quarantine. Yeah. And, and, I, and, and what do they turn to? They turn to that phone. <laughs> you know, and, and again, I think that's the, 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 that struggle is now we've got, and all the data shows, whether it's from the CDC or, or other um, places that have done it, is that we've got more kids hurting in mental health now than we ever have. Thank you for listening to the Talk About It podcast. For more information on addiction or substance use, as well as recovery resources, please contact the Manosakia Wellness Center at 715-799-3835, the Menominee Tribal Clinic at 715-799-3361, or the Menominee County Human Services at 715-799-3861. Recovery coaches are also available 24-7 by calling 715-972-3280. The Talk About It podcast is produced by the Menominee Tribal Communications Department.